What I'm going to share with you today is not a cliche, although sometimes people, they think of certain things as cliches, as catchphrase, as good things to have on a keychain or a good phrase to put upon a t-shirt. It's not that. What I'm going to share with you today is really the cornerstone of our theology and all that we know about God. It's the reality that brings us peace when we're facing a difficult circumstance. It gives us courage when we're tempted to fear. And it gives us confidence when we don't understand the situations or circumstances we are going through. The truth that I'm going to remind you of today is of the goodness of the Lord. The Bible says that the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and addeth no sorrow. The psalmist wrote in Psalms 136 verse 1, he says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. And as you read throughout the psalm, you will hear that same phrase again. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. In James chapter 1, James writes that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. So the first thing I want you to remember today is this. Everything in this world that is good, everything in this world that's upright, originates with God. The scripture teaches us that we love him because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. So things such as love, how can we forgive? Because he forgave us. Things like grace, things like mercy, things like compassion, things like holiness and truth and beauty and integrity and provision and abundance and health and strength and anything that is good in this earth that you experience has its origin with God. Romans chapter 2 tells us this, that it is his, what leads us to repentance? It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. When we are against God, when we are going our own way, the Bible says that it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. So everything that is good in this world originates with God. The second thing I want you to recognize is that God does not withhold his goodness from those who walk uprightly. Okay, God does not hold back. God is not stingy with his goodness. This is a truth that we need to get established in our hearts because if not, we'll be tempted to take shortcuts and to take matters into our own hands. I want to say that one more time. This is a truth that we need to get established in our hearts that God does not withhold his goodness from those who walk uprightly. If you don't believe that, you're going to be tempted to take matters into your own hands and to take shortcuts. Psalms 84 verse 11 says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. Now here's the reality. God cares about the most minute, intricate details of our lives. One of the things I just thought of Nancy. Nancy prays about everything. 
She'll misplace something and she'll say, well, let's pray about it. She'll need something. She'll pray about it again and again. God cares about where your keys are. God cares about what's happening in your life. He cares about those things that other people say, don't bother the master with that. Don't bother him with those details. But friend, he cares about every intimate detail of our lives. And he's not trying to keep good away from his people. On the contrary, the word says that he bestows favor and honor. When you think of the idea of bestowing, it's almost like a ceremony where you bring someone up and you crown them, where you honor them. And that's what the scripture says, that he bestows favor and honor. One of the things, and I'm going to preach on this some Sunday, the 23rd Psalm says that he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You know how I thought that was? First of all, a lot of times I just kind of zoomed past that. Sometimes we think that God makes us eat with people who don't like us. You know what I mean? Talk about uncomfortable. You ever have people who don't like you and then God makes you go and eat with them? That's not what it says. God prepares a banquet table for you. He honors you in the midst of people who hate you, who despise you, who who want your total destruction. God brings you up and he sets you up in a high place and he prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies, a place of honor for you. That's what God does for you. So God bestows favor. He's not trying to keep favor from you. The word is very clear. No good thing does he withhold. When the Bible uses the phrase, blessed is the man who trusts in you, it means happy, fortunate, to be envied, is the man who puts their total trust, their total confidence in God. The man who trusts in the Lord, who says, God, I know that you have my best interest at heart. The man who says, God, I know that someone may overlook me, but I know that you won't overlook me. The man who says, I can trust your ways. I know that in the end, and and not even in the end, in the middle, along the way, you are going to continually do what is best for me. You're not going to withhold anything that is good. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. One of Satan's oldest tricks is to lie to you to make you believe that God is keeping something good back from you. That was the tactic the serpent used when he tempted Eve. He really made her think that God's trying. He knows when you taste of this fruit, when you partake of this fruit, he knows he's just trying to keep something good back from you. And so he deceived Eve. And can I say to you today that Satan, he doesn't have any new tricks. He doesn't have any new schemes or plans. He has those same old tricks that he goes back to again and again. And he wants you to doubt the goodness of the Lord. He wants you to think that the reason God says no to you or God says wait to you or God holds back something from you is that God is trying to hurt you. When in reality, God has your best interest all the time. Friends, you need to get that in your heart. We need to get that in our spirits. That God is able, he's able to see the future. He's able to see the past. He's able to see the present. He knows what lies ahead. And he constantly has your best interest at heart. He's not looking to harm you. He's not looking to hurt you. 
He's looking to bless you and prosper you and lead you into a full life of abundance. The psalmist says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints. Notice what it says. For those who fear him. What? They miss out. Man, they really miss out. Those who fear him don't get to have any fun. Those who fear him are always going to finish last. No, the word says that those who fear him lack nothing. They lack nothing. There's there's nothing good that they're lacking. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Now, not only does God have your best interest at heart, and, and not only does he not withhold his goodness from you, but God has a great supply of goodness stored up for you. Sometimes we think that God has a, well, maybe God will have a few good things for my future. Maybe sometime I'll experience a little bit of joy, or maybe sometime I'll experience a little bit of peace, or maybe things will kind of go my way sometime, somehow, if I'm lucky, if I can make it happen. No. Psalms 31:19 says, How great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you which you bestow in the sight of men on those who take refuge on you. A lot of times people want us to believe that the only goodness God has for us is you're going to live a horrible, miserable life. You're going to grit your teeth. You're going to barely make it through this life. And maybe when you die, God will get, let you hang out on streets of gold, like drive a jazzy chair on streets of gold. You know what I mean? That's not what it is. Notice what it says. It says, how great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, which you bestow in the sight of men. It's not just for heaven, friends. God's goodness is not just in heaven. Thank God. That's where it's going to reach its perfection, its fullness. Even if you didn't have a good day here on earth. It would be worth it there, but I'm telling you that God has goodness stored up for you that he's going to bestow upon you. Once again, showing honor and favor to you in the sight of men. Other people are going to see it. There again, God is good. He bestows favor and on us. He has a great supply of goodness stored up. So what does that mean? That means this. When things don't work out on your job, you don't have to worry Because God has a great supply of goodness stored up for you. Pastor, what does that mean? That means this. That means when a business deal you were hoping for falls through, you don't have to worry because he has more than enough goodness stored up for you. That means when something doesn't go your way, it really don't matter because he has more than enough goodness stored up for you. That means whenever you face a difficulty, you face a trial, you face a setback, you face a trying time, it really doesn't matter because he has an unlimited supply of goodness stored up for those who fear him. What does the word say? The psalmist says, how great is your goodness which you stored up? So he's not just barely, well, maybe God could spare a little bit of strength for you, a little bit of wisdom for you, a little bit of joy. No, his word says that he has a great supply of goodness stored up for you. When we understand the great supply of goodness he has stored up for us, 
We learn to thank the Lord during the times of troubles and trials. You don't have to worry about it in the times of troubles and trials because he's got a great supply. We learn to thank the Lord during the times of missed opportunities or things that you would say as a setback. When the delays come, you realize that God has something better stored up for me, not just in heaven. He has something better for you and I in the here and now. I want to read Psalms 27 verse 13. The psalmist said this. Listen to what he said. He says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Notice what it says. It says, wait on the Lord. You be patient. You endure. You stand firm. You continue to trust him in the midst of difficulties, in the midst of trials, in the midst of the no's, in the midst of the delays. You wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. Says, don't lose heart. Don't get afraid. Don't be disgusted. And he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Even that great modern day country music theologian, Garth Brooks, recognizes that truth. Garth said, sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Remember, I don't mean this disrespectful, but remember when you're talking to the man upstairs. And just because he may not answer doesn't mean he don't care. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. So how many of you remember old Garth? Huh? I got a few country music. I, I, some of you got all excited when I said Garth Brooks. And you, I can tell your age. You're, in that song, you know, Garth tells the story of wanting something and not getting it. And then as you look back on life, you realize, God, thank you that you didn't answer that prayer. We look back. And, you know, there's a lot of situations like that in life that we can look back. We have the privilege of looking back and seeing Joseph had his share of setbacks and difficulties. God gave Joseph a vision as a young man of what his future would be like. God was going to promote him and bless him. But when he shared that vision with those closest to him, instead of rejoicing with him, they despised him. His own brothers threw him into a pit and sold him into slavery, telling his father that he had been killed by wild animals. God had a plan to take Joseph from the pit to the palace. But can I tell you this? It often is not a direct route. God's got a plan for your life, but his plan sometimes is not a direct route. Sometimes you wonder if you're going to ever get there. Sometimes there are delays and layovers. Am I talking to somebody? There's some pain in the process, and at times there's troubles in the trial. And in those times, God is asking you to trust him, to keep the right spirit, and to obey him in the process. The process for Joseph involved Potiphar's house, facing a temptation, doing the right thing, and then suffering for doing what was right. For doing the right thing, Joseph is thrown into prison. It's in times like this that the enemy tries to get you to doubt the goodness of the Lord. It's in times like this that the enemy whispers into your ear, ah, so what's your integrity doing for you now as you're stuck here in prison? 
Again and again, in these moments, the enemy loves to whisper in your ear like he whispered in Eve's ear. God's trying to keep something good from you. God's trying to hold you back. But once again, Joseph does what is right. And he's even elevated it even in the prison. Now you know the story. In prison, Joseph interpreted the dreams of the king's baker and cupbearer. The baker was hung and the cupbearer was restored. The cupbearer had promised that he would remember Joseph, but how quickly he forgot. During those two years, I'm sure that there were times that the enemy once again whispered into Joseph's ear. There, you thought you heard from God. You helped them. What's anybody doing for you? Here you are sitting in prison. Can I say this to you? The enemy loves to taunt God's people. Especially when you try to walk uprightly. Especially whenever you try to be a man or a woman of integrity. He loves to taunt you and say, if God is for you, then why is all these bad things happening? If God is with you, if, if this gospel is true, if, if God's really good, if he's really blessing you, then how comes you're facing this hard time once again? It's one thing if you go through it once. But some of us have gone through a trial, and then you face another one. And after that, there's another one piggybacked on top of it. If you're not careful, it wants to cause your faith to waver. And, and that was the situation Joseph in. But again and again, we find that Joseph seemed to humbly trust the Lord and serve him. To do his will. Then the king has a dream. And in one day, God moved Joseph from the prison to the palace. He was second in command of all of Egypt And no one was greater except for Pharaoh. Do you notice that sometimes God's answers, that the delays, the times, you wait and wait and wait, and then all of a sudden when God breaks through, it's immediate, it's fast, it's powerful. When you look back and you're just amazed. Have you ever noticed that? Things you prayed for for years, things that you waited on the Lord for, and then all of a sudden, boom, it breaks forth just like a dam breaking pow, and and there God came through. And typically for me when that happens, I'm a lot of times overwhelmed, and I usually have this thing, Lord, I'm sorry for doubting you. Lord, I'm sorry for not having the right attitude the whole time. But Joseph is elevated. He goes from the prison to the palace. Now, because of Joseph's ability to hear from the Lord and discern the times and the seasons, because of Joseph's ability that even in difficult times, he kept the right spirit and the right attitude. Untold number of people's lives were spared during those years of famine. Even his own family was spared when they came to Egypt to buy food. You know the story. Joseph revealed himself to his family, and they moved to Egypt along with his father. When his father dies, his brothers think that surely Joseph is going to exact revenge on them for all the suffering their actions put him through. But I want you to listen to Joseph's reply. In Genesis chapter 50, Genesis chapter 50, verse 19. But Joseph said to them, his brother's dad's dead. Dad was their covering. They thought because of their choices, what they thought was their choices, Joseph was taken away from his family. He was sold into slavery. He was thrown into a pit. He spent a number of years in prison. And 
whenever they realized, man, we blew it. He's been nice to us. But maybe now that dad's dead, maybe he's going to get his revenge upon us. But listen to Joseph's reply. Genesis 50 verse 19. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Why don't you hear this? You intended to harm me. I know your heart. I know you hated me. I know you were angry at me. I know you despised me. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. To accomplish what is now being done. The saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I'll provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. In the process, you don't always have the perspective like Joseph did of being able to look back and see what took place because you're right in the middle of it. When it was over, Joseph was able to look back and say, you intended to harm me, but God was setting me up to bless me. You were trying to destroy me and God was trying to promote me. You were trying to hurt me and God was trying to prepare me for something greater than I could have ever imagined. God had something so much better in store for my life and you thought you were doing bad to me. You thought you got one over on me. But God was just setting me up to display His goodness and His mercy and His kindness and His love, not just to me, But God was going to do something through my life to touch a whole lot of other people. Can I say to you today that I'm speaking to some people who the enemies thought he was going to destroy you? He thought he was going to ruin you? He thought he was going to finish you off and get you to turn away from him? But in the midst of that, it's all been in preparation. For God's glory to come and be displayed through your life. Every heartache, every tear, every pain, every delay, every setback. God is able to take every negative thing and turn it around and make it work for your good. In Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things. Everybody say all things. In all things, God works for the good. All things? You mean whenever I have to wait? He took it for good? Yeah. You mean when I was embarrassed? And I was humiliated? Somehow he's been able to take that and work it for my good? You better believe it. You mean whenever I seemed like I failed? You mean that God's able to take even my failures... How about the pain I've gone through? You mean that God's able to take the pain that I've gone through, the things that I've heard and I've wept over? You mean He's able to take that and turn it around for my good? I guarantee it to you, my friend. He's able to make all things work for good to those who love Him, who've been called according to His purpose. Listen to what it goes on to say. Next verse. For those He foreknew, God knew you before you were ever born. He's had a plan for you. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. 
that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he's already predestined you. Listen, he predestined you to be conformed to shape, to look like Jesus, to be shaped into his image and his likeness. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? Listen, if God is for us, who can be against us? You think you've wasted years? God can redeem the time like that. You think that you've squandered things. In a moment, your God is able to restore to you the years that the locust has destroyed. Notice what he says. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? He's saying he didn't hold back his very best from you, his son. If he didn't spare his son, if he didn't hold him back, how will he not also graciously, he doesn't grudgingly give us. He doesn't like, he's thinking nagging me all the time. All right, take it and get out. No. How will he not graciously give us all things? Next verse. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Who can say anything about you? Who can make an accusation against you? You say, Pastor, I've I've wasted a lot of years. Who can bring a charge against you? Pastor, I have a reason to be ashamed. I've not been faithful. Who can bring a charge against you? It's God who justifies you. He's the one who stands up on your behalf and defends you. Next verse. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Is it Christ Jesus who died? Christ Jesus who, here's the thing. Christ Jesus who died for you, is he condemning you? No. No. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is always interceding for us. Next verse. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, you had a little trouble lately, had some trouble, trouble going to separate you, had a few days of hardship, some of you maybe have faced some persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, next verse, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long, we are considered sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more. We're not just making it through. We're not dragging ourselves across the finish line. My Bible says that we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God has my best interest at heart. It really doesn't matter. I want you to hear me. It really doesn't matter what we face because he's working it for my good. 
It really doesn't matter of my past. It really doesn't matter because he's working it for my good. He's got goodness stored up for me. He's got goodness stored up for you. You know what he wants us to do? He wants us to give thanks to him. He wants to give praise to him. He wants it to be the thing that allows us to face next week's trouble with confidence, with joy, with peace. To face the shut doors, to face the delays. He wants us to be able to face them with a confidence and an assurance that God is on my side. I can't be shaken. If God is for me, who could possibly stand against me? Who could possibly stand against you? Friend, we serve a good God. And he's not going to withhold. Listen, to you need to get this in your heart. He is not withholding his goodness to you. In fact, get ready because he's wanting to pour out his goodness and his mercy on us once again today. I'm talking to some people who you called and he answered. Don't allow the enemy because you face a difficult time today to cause you to question the goodness of the Lord. You call to him and he answers. It's that reality of us wanting to be with him. As a pastor, sometimes I'll have people who will do stupid stuff, who I tell them don't do stupid stuff. Don't do stupid stuff. I don't approve of stupid stuff. It's not my heart for stupid stuff. They do stupid stuff and then other people question me. Well, I told them don't do stupid stuff. That's not my heart. No, I'm saying I agree. That's stupid. Don't do that. They'll question me. Why? I say, no, don't, they, that's, that's dumb. Don't do that. How comes whenever other people do dumb stuff, we question the goodness of the Lord? How comes when other people don't do what God says, we question his faithfulness? If you just want to just be near to the Lord, I know that we can be near to him in our pew. We're going to dismiss you, but I'd like to invite you. If you've been calling to him and he's answered you, We'll just finish out a, just maybe a few moments here at the altar. If you got to go, God bless you, dismiss. But we love you. Our altar is open. Would you just find a place? Mike, lead us in that again. Falling on my knees in worship, giving all I am to seek your face.